Welcome back to another episode of That's Business. Today's guest, Taylor Miller Goulet, is the co-founder and CEO of Monarch Coaching, a professional development company with a focus on transformational leadership. With over 15 years of team-level leadership experience and five years of leadership development at a Fortune 500 company, Taylor's passion is all about people and teaching others how to use their strengths to achieve their professional goals. Taylor, I'm so pumped to have this podcast. (laughs) And a little fun fact for those of you that maybe don't know Taylor, we met, I think it was what, two years ago, a year ago? A year ago, yeah. Time's a construct. I know. Taylor is one of those people I met, probably talked your ear off too much. And then I think I've seen you once a week um, for the last six months. And I did four times this week. So, so yes. I'm blessed. I'm so hashtag blessed hashtag to be a partner with you. Yeah. You have so much that I want to talk about. And we are ones that we do like to talk quite a bit. Yes. But before we dive into what you're doing with Monarch, I want to throw it back to childhood. What did you want to be when you grew up? What was your childhood like? Things of that sort. So um, I'm going to call myself out for being a 90s girl like right away. I wanted to be the princess of Genovia when I was growing up. <laughs> Yes, and I love that in movie. addition to that, I wanted to marry Taylor Hansen, and we would both oh, be named Taylor Hansen. Taylor. So that was, <laughs> yeah, that was really what I wanted when I was growing up. Um, but honestly, like, I've always wanted to be a teacher. So like, my path in life has kind of led me to that. The irony being that I was a terrible student and hated school, but I loved <laughs> teaching people. So like total straight C student, I dropped out of college, like I barely passed and graduated high school. Like that environment wasn't conducive to the way that I learned. So I wasn't a good student, but I'm pretty smart. So I'd like to think that I am. You are very smart. Yes. Thank you. Appreciate you. So I wanted to be a teacher. I would always make my younger brother like play school. I loved whiteboards. I was obsessed with like whiteboards and drawing on them and doing math on them. Uh, Don't ask me to do math ever (laughs) because I won't do that. But that's why I was always joke. I'm like, I'm not good with numbers, but I can make a damn good PowerPoint for you. But yeah, so I wanted to be a teacher named Mrs. Taylor Hansen and also be the queen of Genovia princess. But I need to go watch Princess Diaries now because, of course, I wanted to marry Michael. So I get it. But what a hottie. But did you know he is actually lead singer of a band? Rooney. Rooney, right? No one ever knows that. You know it, girl. I I love that movie. I knew you would because you're you're my music (laughs) friend that actually knows music. So something I love about you is that you are very vocal about dropping out of school and saying that, hey, look, school wasn't for me because even on the other side of that, I feel like especially our generation being millennials is it's like, go to school, you're not going to be successful unless you go to school, blah, 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 blah. But I mean, I'm a walking hypocrite because yes, I have my master's degree and my bachelor's, but I was privileged. My parents paid for my bachelor's and I was able Mm. to afford my master's. So yeah, but honestly, I mean, looking at it, it really hasn't taught me things. It was more like that step in the door in the checkbox. And I almost feel like we're getting away from degrees being required or being like, hey, go to trade school. We were paying mm-hmm. people like $30 an hour out of trade school that were 18 right. years old. I'm like, oh, your girl made the wrong decision here. So <laughs> I've always been an advocate for people who learn differently. Yes. So just to kind of skip ahead a little bit, when I started at uh, the mortgage company that I worked for, and I got my way into a learning and development role with zero experience in that. I started at a very entry level position and I was a coordinator. So I scheduled 
things for coaches and trainers that worked there. And when we would do group collaborations, I was in a very, very supportive team, which I'm very still grateful for. And I'm still close with everybody. But I could challenge the way that we would teach people and the way that we would do things because I didn't learn well with certain formats and with certain things that they would were doing. For an example, if there's a training that is like very word heavy and you have to read a lot, I'm not a reader. Like you couldn't pay me to read. I'm an audiobook kind of girl. <laughs> like give me visual stimulation, give me like audible stimulation. Like I can't read, it puts me to sleep and I don't retain anything that way, which is why I think I struggled in school so much. Oh, yes. And I am like self-diagnosed dyslexic. I've never actually been diagnosed with it, but I swear to God I have it because that's why I'm so bad at math. And like when I read out loud, it's a hot struggle. It's just all over the place. So I'm a huge advocate and I'll push back on things. If I'm not going to learn it that way or if I don't like it that way, I know I'm not the only person. So I always would speak up and be like, you know, why don't we turn that into a video or why don't we do this one in person instead of virtually or coming up with different options. But yeah, I think the traditional way of learning and the system is made for equality, but not equity, right? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, we all get the same classes, we get the same content, and it's all taught pretty much the same way. But the classes and the things that resonated the most with me were the classes that were very interactive. I had a creative, no, what was it? It was a novels class, I think my junior or senior year of high school. Shout out to Mr. Juke. He's one of the best teachers I have ever had. It was very conversational and he had real conversations in that class. And I learned and still remember so much from that. But, you know, like then there's statistics and government and history and all that shit that I was like, yeah, no, no, thank you. (laughs) Not for me. No, I feel like I'm more interested. Like genealogy has been my new interesting way of like, you know, what's passed down each generation. I remember hating that class Mm. in high school. And I was like, wow, actually would be beneficial now. It's interesting, too, because I'm opposite. I zone out for audiobooks. Like oftentimes if mm. I have to read it or listen to it at a certain fast pace or I don't retain it. Interesting. And I have a friend who has to do both. So she has the book in front of her and has to listen to it. See? So she does both. Everyone is different. We can't have all the same no. communication or we can't be taught the same way. So that's really cool. I love that you brought up potentially being dyslexic because... People often think it's like, oh, you read words scrambled. It's like, it's a lot more than that. Mm -hmm. I actually, I mean, not that I'm a doctor because we all know I'm not, but I figured out with my now ex-boyfriend, I'm like, I'm pretty sure you're dyslexic. Like, I'm (laughs) the one that figured it out because... And we're still friends. So he would struggle through school so much because he went back to get his Mm -hmm. bachelor's after the military. And it was so difficult for him. Like something I could knock out in an hour would take him two days to do because it's so difficult. Finally, he found the right doctor, right person. And they're like, yeah, you definitely are. After no one, they're like, oh, take some Adderall, take this. He's like, concentration is not the problem. It's like understanding it. So I love talking through that because it's it's not just like the traditional or way of what you're seeing in movies or heard Mm -hmm. of and stereotypical. It's so frustrating. Yeah. But transitioning into you applied to this role with no experience. Now, how did you find that passion or what was that journey kind of like for you when you did decide, hey, I'm going to go down this path, work in the mortgage industry and walk us through that journey? Yeah. I mean, my career really started in retail, clothing retail. Mm -hmm. Right out of high school, I got a job at 
and Taylor and worked there for a couple of years and then kind of grew from there. And I worked for several different retailers and I grew into a visual merchandiser, but that was still like a leader position. So I led stores. I was everything from like a key holder to a store manager and loved retail. I mean, I'm a people person, so I liked that environment and I learned a lot, but I was sick of having to work weekends and holidays, barely seeing my family and my friends working like 50, 60 hours a week. So I got into the mortgage industry because it was more of like a cut and dry nine to five type job, no weekends, no holidays, bank holidays are off. It was like the best thing for me. Uh, So I started there, but I started in like a uh, an operational type of role. So I was the person that would compile and check and verify all these closing documents, which is incredibly boring, but <laughs> <laughs> I was good at it. <laughs> yes. And one of the things that I loved about this company, and I'm not going to say their name or anything like that, but this company, they are phenomenal at training. They won the number one training team in the country. Uh, I think it was in 2020. And that was when I was a part of the actual training team too. So that was really cool. But I I got into like this closing title documents role and I actually wanted to train in that role because I picked it up really quickly and I wanted to teach others because I've always had that passion for teaching. And I also wanted to get into leadership because I had so much experience in leadership. So I wanted to maintain that. And so my division lead at the time a shout out to him. He's actually since passed away, not to make it like super sad, but he was an amazing, amazing man. And I do actually owe a lot of where I'm at today because of him. So uh, Mike LaPree, he was looking for internal jobs for me and realized that there was a leadership development coordinator position open. He's like, you know, it's not leadership actually leading, but it's that type of environment. Plus you're going to be in the the learning and development field, which is what you kind of want to do. You want to train. So I applied for that role. And the woman that interviewed me ended up having connections with my older brother too. Like she had led him in a previous role and all this stuff. So we connected and clicked and that's Renee Harmon and she's uh, Julie Seacrest Seymour's wife. So mm-hmm. I, I so many, I'm like just name dropping. Sorry, everybody, but not sorry, everybody try to give credit where credit's due. Yes, but, we love it. But Renee literally took my career to the next level. I mean, having met her, she was such a amazing person who, saw potential in me that I didn't see in myself. I just wanted to get into leadership or training. And she's like, you can do like anything. Literally, you can do anything you put your mind to. And she gave me such a comfortable space and allowed me to grow. So I started as this coordinator, which is, you know, part coordinating and scheduling stuff. But then I also started to take on creative roles. So I did instructional design, which is building all these trainings and workshops and things like that, that they would teach across the entire company. And I loved it and I was good at it and I got better at it and I got more training for it. So I fell into eventually leading this entire team. So it went from a team of just four of us to a team of 17. Wow. And I was a team lead. I helped to, you know, develop that entire team alongside Renee and a couple other amazing people as well. And so I started leading the IDs, which is instructional designers and coordinators. And I just had this like spark of this is a really cool opportunity that I've fallen into out of nowhere and became an expert in it. And I could keep going, but I'm just here. I'm here along the ride. (laughs) But it's funny because I'm also I love to give credit where credit's due. And Julie literally introduced us. So yes, we did. Julie. So we do. 
Yeah. So you started this company and then you had this idea for the business. And when we met, you were like, yeah, I have this business. I'm not sure. So I want to talk through the transition (laughs) of when you had the idea, when you got serious about it, walk us through the last year or year plus it's been. So in like 2020, the company I worked for went public, which is like totally amazing. And I'm really happy for them. But when they went public, the values changed so significantly there. And I'm just, I'm not just like saying that I I felt it personally. So working for a company like that was such an opportunity for me in the beginning. But when the values start to shift from what can we do for our people to how do we get the investors to stay here? (laughs) That's a huge shift. And it wasn't for me anymore. So it was kind of like May of last year, that I started really thinking and talking with friends and a good friend of mine, James, he was like, you know, what do you want to do? What are you good at? And he owns his own businesses. But I was like, I'm really good at what I do here. He's like, then do it by yourself. Do it on your own. Why are you doing it for someone else? (laughs) I was like, um, (laughs) is that an option? And I had a friend too, who kind of left to do her own thing. And she's been traveling the world and living her best life. And she's doing like executive coaching. And so I picked her brain a lot and kind of just came to this decision of, you know what, if I break this down into small enough chunks, like attainable things of like, step one, let's get an LLC. Step two, let's get a domain. Like very, I I oversimplified it, which is how I build my tradings, right? Like make things super simple. And I just kept doing these things on my checklist. And one thing led to another. And I asked my best friend and now business partner to join me. And she's like, "Uh, absolutely. So in August, I officially like got the LLC, we had a website put together. And then in January of this year was when we like officially launched and got a couple contracts under our belt and a couple clients under our belt. But this is the most rewarding thing that I think I've ever done. Obviously, finance-wise, it's not as uh, conducive at the moment. (laughs) But I'm like the, (laughs) I don't want to say like the brokest I've been, but I am the brokest I've been, but I'm also the happiest I've ever been. Oh, true. Yes. My favorite advice that my my business partner, Erica, says with me all the time is money comes and goes. It's like water. It's going to just ebb and flow. You're going to have mass amounts of income. You're going to have nothing. And, you know, I'm kind of at the the nothing part right now, but it's going to get better, right? So we're manifesting good things. I'm really happy that I'm able to work at a company, my own company, that I know the values, I know the expectations, and I can set realistic expectations for myself. So yes, and help others continue to help people. Right. Well, we'll talk about, of course, like the fun entrepreneurship. Because I was talking to a friend the other day and they're like, oh, you made it. You making so much money. I'm like, mm, this is the least <laughs> amount of money I've ever made. But my employees are paid very well. So right. let's see. But it is interesting because your happiness does matter. And of course, we have bills to pay, mouths to feed. But it's so much different when you're more inspired to work harder or, mm-hmm. you know, like excited to do things. And we have some exciting right. things coming up and all. But what makes you different in the leadership scope, because I feel like this is a field everyone says they're a transformational leader and they are a great trainer Mm -hmm. and developer. So what makes Monarch different and what you pride yourself on? The first thing that comes to mind is we are not boring. You aren't. We are so much fun. And I know that that's kind of like, you have to see it to believe it kind of a thing. Like you have to come to one of our workshops, you have to interact with us. But the learning and development community is 
pretty boring and pretty dry. And the people that tend to like own these companies and offer, let's say like corporate level training and stuff like that. It's like, there's an element of engagement, but it's not to the level that we have. So we have a lot of conversations and we have a lot of very real conversations. So we let our clients know like, you are going to be in a very vulnerable space with us, but it's a very safe space as well. But those are the best places to learn. And people that are able to be vulnerable, especially because we do workshops with leaders and their teams. And when those leaders open up and they become vulnerable about their insecurities and the things that they maybe aren't very good at, the team members trust them. Oh my God, so much more. I mean, it's like tenfold when you can say, yeah, I don't know the answer to that. And I... I'm like too afraid to even admit that. But the second that you do, people are like, that's okay. Like we can help you, you know, help us help you kind of a thing. So we're different because we are much more down to earth. I don't have a degree in this. I'm not going to pretend that I do, but I'm really damn good at it. Like I make very, very engaging trainings. We're in the scope right now, like in the future, we're going to start delivering more like online virtual interactive trainings, which is kind of more like instructional design background that I've got. And I'm really excited about that. But what we do right now is in person. We have fun. We're not cheesy. At least we try not to be. We're pretty down to earth. Yeah, I don't know. I think we're just, we're fun and we're, we're cool and we're really good at what we do. And you will walk away with takeaways that you can implement the same day for sure. I just keep thinking of Mean Girls. I'm not like any mom. I'm a cool mom. That's just what <laughs> I keep like thinking of. I'm not like any trainer. I'm a cool, cool trainer. trainer. <laughs> I'm a cool leadership coach. <laughs> Now, (laughs) why would a company hire you or what are some of those areas that you and Erica can come in and help them out with? Right now, I think there's a lot of companies that are experiencing what I would call like a culture crisis. And it's probably because people were quarantined for so long and now they're coming back to work. Um, There's a lot of young people who their careers started in quarantine and they don't know how to be in the office with people. So that's one thing that we can help is kind of adjusting your workplace culture. But everything that we do, it starts with leadership. We can't just come in and tell your employees to get along. You have to be the person (laughs) that's making the effort and holding them accountable, though, too. Like, it's not as easy as just being like, you know, you're kind of being a dick right now. You should probably stop doing that. It's like, no, do you understand the impact that you're having on that person? And when that person is with you, their stress levels are higher. And when their stress levels are higher, you can't collaborate, you can't innovate, you can't think straight. All those things tie into each other. So we kind of break it down that way. So company culture is a big one that we can help with. Communication goes hand in hand with that. But the foundation of everything that we teach is based on emotional intelligence. And that is so crucial, not just being like a good coworker or a good leader, but just to being a good person. You have to have self-awareness and be socially aware, care of what other people are experiencing and how you affect other people. The second that you say like, oh, I don't care what others think about me, that's kind of shitty because it's not necessarily what they think about you, but it's like, how do they feel when they're around you? Do people even want to be around you? And if you're a leader or even a frontline employee and you're that kind of person who you're like, I don't care what people think about me or I don't care how I make you feel like, okay, well, then you're a really shitty person to work with and no one wants to work with you. So you're the problem. But I can kind of help those people to kind of come to of like, let's find the root cause of why you don't care (laughs) and kind of work from there. It's like therapy, but I don't know, it works a little. 
Well, most of the time. <laughs> most of the time, she says. <laughs> so, you know, if people don't want it, they don't get anything out of it. So you can only really help those who want it. That's with anything. It's with therapy. It's with going to the doctors. Mm-hmm. It's your career. I mean, it's literally it's anything. And it's the type of person there. So yeah, I want you to talk about and I'm going to butcher the story because you told me about it. But you had a client I think was frustrated with his janitor or something it was you told me. <laughs> yeah. He was complaining to you about whatever he said and you turned it back on him. So tell us what happened because I think that is just such a prime example <laughs> of what you do and how you can help. Yeah. So we did this group leadership workshop for a company and I love this company, this team. It's, it's a group of men and they're all wonderful men. But one in particular, he had a newer employee and he does janitorial work. They do like more like boots on the ground field work for this company anything from landscaping to cleaning the inside of the building and things like that. So they kind of do a little bit of everything. But there was a newer team member that had just started. And I would say he was probably no older than like 26, 27, maybe. So, you know, young, but just started this new job, maybe three weeks into it. And the guy, the leader asked this kid, will you go clean up the stairwell? And the kid's like, okay, sure. So he told him just clean up the stairwell. And then he like walks away and does whatever comes back and notices that the stairwell is not really up to his expectations. So he goes and finds the kid and goes, come with me. And instantly, I'm sure that kid was just like sweating and shaking in his boots like, oh, shit, my leader's telling me to come with me. That's not a good thing. So he takes him to the stairwell. And the leader says, does this look clean to you? And the kid just looks at him and he's just like, uh, <laughs> he goes, does this look clean to you? so he's telling me this story and he's like yeah I'm getting curious because I'm asking good questions that's something that we tell our people all the time you know you should really be more curious and not accusatory so he used that as his being curious like I couldn't believe it it was kind of like funny because I'm listening to this story and I'm he's like you know I told him I asked him an open and or not even an open-ended question he's like I asked him a good question I was getting curious and I was like you were not getting curious you were being an asshole (laughs) he just was like (laughs) so I'm like let me ask you this if I come in here and I was like is that good leadership are you being a good leader you would be like so stressed out about that and that would give you anxiety and I just kind of told him, I was like, you know, you have to be very mindful of, yes, you can be curious, but that wasn't being curious. You knew the answer to that and you knew what the reaction was going to be, which was more, did you obey me or no? And that is such a crappy way to be led and such a scary thing to experience, especially as a new employee. So we went through some techniques and we ended up rephrasing. And so he actually ended up having a one-on-one with that person and learned a lot more about them on a personal level and apologized. And it was funny because the kid said, you know, like, you were like my mom, like you scared me. You were acting like my mom. (laughs) From childhood, you know, literally. So yeah, he kind of changed his tune a little bit. And that's the kind of stuff, though, that it's funny because what we've experienced, especially from our parents, is typically how we tend to lead sometimes. So if he was always told as a kid, like, does this look clean to you? You know, like, get in there and clean that up again. That's just how he's going to treat his employees. And that poor kid was just like, so scared and yeah, upset. Yeah, there was a lot more technique that goes behind that. But (laughs) we'll talk about that another time, maybe. (laughs) Yes, but it's just such a great example of reframing or rephrasing because the guy thought he was doing something good when he was telling you and then you're like, sweetheart, 
now. Mm-hmm. But it does make a difference because had he not done that or had that one-on-one with the kid, like the kid probably would have quit eventually. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the hard part. I hate when leaders are like, oh, I don't have time. I don't have time to do this. And you just have so many options. I mean, you and I lead differently because we know what corporate was like, what it means to have a great leader and a bad leader. Mm-hmm. That's another ranting podcast, but right. you're just so needed for this. Now, do you have a niche or type of business you like to work with or really can work with anyone? Honestly, we really can work with anyone. And the reason why I say that is because where I got my start at that mortgage company is we had everything from our own in-house IT team, in-house sales team. We had our underwriting teams and operational teams. So we've worked with everything. We even had an in-house uh, like facilities team that did landscaping and janitorial work and things like that. So I have experience working with and training all of those types of people at all different levels of leadership and even people that are aspiring leaders as well. And that's kind of some of the people that I, I really truly like working with is people that are like, I really want to get into leadership. I just don't know how because they're moldable minds, right? So they don't already get those bad habits right away. You can kind of help them become a strong leader right off the get-go, and then they just get better from there. It is true, because I think a lot of people get into leadership. It's like, oh, you've been at this company. Let's throw you into leadership. It's like seniority does not mean you're a leader. Just saying here. Yeah, it happens a lot. And what we tend to see, too, in different industries is like people will – get promoted because they're an expert at what they do. And you should have an awareness and an expertise to some degree when you're leading a specific group of people. But if you're not a people person and you're getting promoted, that's a whole thing. Like if you have no people skills, you have no, like people aren't necessarily going to, they'll respect you because you're an expert at what you do, but they're not going to respect you as a leader. And that's a totally different ballpark right there. And that what that's what happens all the time. <laughs> Big difference between leadership and management. Yes. Yes. You lead people, you manage processes. That's what I like Ooh, to say. See, I love that. Now, do you have any exciting things coming up for Monarch Coaching or talk to us on what's happening in the near future? Right now, we're kind of working on developing some virtual workshops that we'd like to be putting online. So that's probably not going to happen for a couple more months, but that's exciting. And that's something that we're looking forward to. And then... If I can mention that you and I yes. also, so Monarch and Resume Rescue are partnering for a summit in October of this year, 2023. So more details to come on that. But that is something that I'm super excited about. Me too. We'll have to come on another podcast and promote it yes. when we have more specific details there. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, as we wrap this up, what advice do you have for listeners? Oh, boy. Um, there's so many different things that I could go with for this one. I think, well, the one thing that I said earlier, at least for our younger listeners, don't stress out about money. If you're trying to make a major decision, like just know that money comes and goes. And I know we kind of talked about this already, but it's so true. I mean, I was terrified to start this whole endeavor because I was terrified more so of the money than anything else. And I'm so happy that I did it. And, you know, we have like prospective clients in the future. We've got stuff in our pipeline we've got events coming up. So I'm not worried about money anymore. The more that I stop worrying about those things that I can't necessarily, you, you have some control, but you don't have total control, right? Like, so control your controllables and just let whatever happens kind of happen. And just don't worry about being 
broke because you can be broke and fabulous and broken fabulous <laughs> title of the episode no i won't <laughs> just kidding i'm not gonna do that broke and bougie that's actually what broke i am and so. bougie. Shut <laughs> i love that oh my god taylor you are just amazing i'm excited so if anyone listening wants to work with monarch coaching head to the show notes link to their website taylor and erica's information and tune in again next week for another episode of that's business If you're looking for a career change and you're not sure where to start, The Resume Rescue can help. Sure, there's no such thing as the perfect fit for everyone, but here at The Resume Rescue, we're on a mission to find the perfect solution for you. Whether it's changing careers, updating a resume, learning LinkedIn, or practicing interviewing, we have you covered. Find us online at theresumerescue.com and find all of our contact info in our show notes.